T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. I think I mentioned at the beginning of the hour, not that really anybody cares about this outside of me, Sue, but I like my bumper music quite a bit. It helps me. Well, it helps just sort of the energy of the show. You know who this is? It's a band called Inhaler. It's their second record. You know who um, that is by any chance? I do not. It's Bono's kid. What? Who's in Inhaler. Yeah. Wow. And I liked some of their first stuff. It's it's so funny. I was looking for his name. If you put up inhaler in Google, it comes up asthma related. Well, of course. But Wait, is his kid here. the lead singer? Is yes, that what I, you're saying? I think so. Let, oh. let me find out here because I'm going to spread false information. <laughs> what? Inhaler is an Irish rock band originating from Dublin, formed in 2012. Well, they've been around for a while. Mm. Elijah Houston, bassist Robert King, guitarist Josh Jenkinson, and drummer Ryan McMahon. Um, where's the whole Bono? I don't know who that is which one it is i'm thinking elijah but you know they don't they like to have a um a separate life from their father and everything right yeah that now makes i'm sense. like uh bono's now uh, i'm looking up maybe bono's I'm, kids yeah Stand maybe by. i'm just yeah there is an elijah people. in there yeah, that's that's elijah Houston. Houston. yeah right. that's well, what's interesting is you look at the uh the you know i was just on the wikipedia entrance uh they don't really point that out and maybe they do later on you know that he's bono's you think that because he's, he's also the son of bono you know? Yeah. But the band is really good. So anyway, I'm throwing that in as a uh, bumper. Uh, a little bit later in this hour, Lance Azumi is going to be with us. He's the senior director for the Center for Education at the Pacific Research Institute, one of the authors of the new book, The Great Parent Revolt, How Parents and Grassroots Leaders are Fighting Critical Race Theory. So we'll get to that. We have a Battle Hawks update going on. They didn't fare so well, not as well as the, uh, as the soccer club, but we'll still cover that a little bit later with Chris Smith, plus an audio cut of the day. One thing that I heard, you know, Fred mentioned this because he went down. How about Fred, Sue, just driving down on Saturday before the game? He doesn't have tickets. He wants to feel the energy around the stadium. But he did mention there was a lot of police presence. I love that so much. And he said, wait, somebody said he wasn't the only one. Yeah. Apparently that's what it does. several people did because you couldn't get everybody couldn't get a ticket. Right. And I think it's kind of cool. But I think the safety issue is very important. It because is. People are concerned about that. Les Sturman has been in the news, I think, quite a bit lately. And we've talked about these down 
downtown safety issues. Les is the chairman of Citizens for a Greater Downtown in St. Louis. He has joined us in the studio this afternoon. Les Sturman, how are you? I'm great. Uh, happy to be with you. I wish it was better circumstances because we're talking about some things that, that are, uh, you know, I, I think not getting better here in St. Louis when it comes to the crime. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, you know, some people have pointed out today, I saw on Twitter, that uh, the crime and violence really isn't any worse than it's been. It's just that certain people, are, like me, I guess, are talking about it. And uh, and that attitude really kind of troubles me. Uh, I mean, crime and violence aren't going to go away if we don't talk about it. And, uh, I mean, it's like uh, someone's an alcoholic and and you don't tell you don't talk about the problem you can never fix it and uh, so i i really disagree with that point of view good well i mean some of us have been talking about this for a while and then you don't have any kind of action that's taken the other thing i would say when it comes to some of those people that that should be talking about it there's been um you know I think politics gets in the way of a lot of this. People don't want to alienate constituents. They don't want to say mm-hmm. the wrong thing. They don't want to have something that comes back that's in a, an ad, a radio ad, or a TV ad. But this is just a vital time. And, you know, we, we draw a comparison in the, uh, the juxtaposition, if you will, with the soccer stadium and with the energy around that and all the other things that are happening down just a little bit west of where we're sitting right now. It's just a great time for the city and for those of us who have been around for a long time. It's just being held back from, you know, we, we hear this, why can't we be Nashville or maybe why can't we be Kansas City? Well, it's the crime issue, I think, at this point, because there's a lot of things that are going in a positive direction, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's certainly part of it. I mean, this is actually a wonderful downtown. I mean, I live downtown. I've lived down here for 17 years. Um, we can walk every place. We can walk to the grocery store, the movies, the dry cleaners. Our local neighborhood park is a national park. I mean, how many people can say that? We can walk to all the sporting venues. I did go to the soccer game on Saturday, and it was it was spectacular. I mean, that's a, an example of what downtown St. Louis can be. Do you feel safe, though? Because I, I have more – I put this into, I guess, point of reference this way. I remember maybe even 12 years ago. So let's go back to 2010, 2011. That was maybe my, my fourth year on KMOX at the time, and people would say, ah, it's not safe to come downtown. These were West County folks mainly, right, where I grew up out in Baldwin and Chesterfield. I would just say, this is ridiculous. It's plenty safe. When people say that, and I've heard more and more people from St. Charles, from you know West County, from the entire area say, we don't feel it's safe to come downtown at night in particular. Now, whether or not that's true, that's the perception that's probably grabbing hold of more people than at any other time in, in decades, certainly. Yeah, I think that has become part of the regional psyche at this point. Um, you know, I think there's two downtowns. There's the downtown during the day, which, uh, you know, I feel— Well, that's become an issue, too, though. It, it has. We had a pretty uh, uh, significant event uh, last week, I yeah, guess it was. A week ago today, I think. In, um, in the middle of the day. But, you know, for the most part, in the, during the daytime, it's perfectly safe. We're out walking every day, my wife and I. We, we walk to the Arch. We walk to Ballpark Village. You know, at night, it's it's probably a different story. And people, particularly uh, of, you know, my age, uh, you know, I'm 74, um, you know, feel a little skittish about being out, uh, particularly late at night um, and walking around with when the streets may be empty. First of all, 
dude looks pretty good for 74. Yeah, he does. He yes, just he dropped, does. He, he just dropped that in there so I could compliment you. Look great for 74, <laughs> Les. Congratulations on that. What? Well, what go ahead, Sue. I was going to say, you know what? There has been a long standing. When I was, when it was the early 90s and I was moving uh, into Soulard, my father from West County said, I, it's dangerous down there. There is a long standing belief uh, uh, that. Uh, now may be deserved, but hasn't been for years, that uh, the city was a dangerous place. And, uh, you know, it's a longstanding thing that has been so reinforced lately that I wonder how we could break it. Well, uh, you know, we have proposed a a plan along with some other groups. Uh, Some of it relates to law enforcement, obviously, but a lot of it relates to the, uh, the competent administration of regulatory policies in the city of St. Louis, controlling problem properties, places where bad things happen on a regular basis, dealing with uh, liquor licenses, dealing with um, uh, short-term rentals like uh, like Airbnbs, where we've seen a lot of problems lately. So a lot of that has to do with city administration and and dealing with some of these regulatory issues. So it's going to take law enforcement, uh, regulatory uh, issues, and competency all around. Obviously, the issues with our circuit attorney have, have come to the fore over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, I mean, it's doable. We can fix this. Um, it, people just have to work together and uh, and get after it. You you tweeted we this was a story that was in the news. Forty million dollars to reshape the streets, slow down speeders. I mean, some of us who drive downtown and to work have gotten to the point where even if it's a green light, you got to be careful and make sure that no one's running through the red. So one of your tweets recently was um, the announcement of forty million dollars spent on street improvements is welcome, and the fanfare signals that it's good politics following some high profile traffic deaths. But we need to recognize what this money. Will will and won't do. Now, that was a long Twitter string. Explain what you mean there. Well, and, and of course, in a professional life, I was responsible for many of the grants that uh, that are used to improve uh, roads and, and public transit, etc. So I have some background in this area. I mean, the fact is that almost all of the traffic crashes that we're seeing are due to driver behavior, human behavior. Uh, the tragic accident uh, that uh, so badly injured Janae Edmondson was a was on a relatively minor street, St. St. Charles, as across 11th Street. These are, I mean, these are narrow streets right. already. Uh, and it was due to a speeding driver, um, a dramatically speeding driver, if you saw the uh, the video. Um, and so, you know, on a national basis, um, the, the largest causes of uh, traffic crashes are speeding and alcohol. And as much as I, I think the uh, investments in street infrastructure are worthwhile, it's not going to fix those problems. And as you describe, people running red lights, I mean, we all see it every day. I do the same thing as you do. I pull up to a green light. I look both ways. Yeah. Um, uh, that can't go on, and that is going to cause crash after crash. I mean, this is not the first serious crash we've had downtown because somebody sped through a, a red light. But that's that's a police resources issue, mm-hmm. and I where where's the improvement going to come there? Well, I think you know first of all there there has to be some enforcement. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have remarked about the almost total lack of traffic enforcement downtown and, you know, in the city as a whole, frankly. 
And I think the only way you're going to get that toothpaste back in the tube is if there's a real blitz in in the neighborhoods, in downtown, by the police, a, a real program to to crack down on this and, and for there to be significant penalties. I mean, if people have multiple serious violations, um, and start impounding cars. But uh, see, they, we're at the point, and this is, I hope it's not the point of no return, but you, you have, I would draw somewhat of a parallel to the border from the standpoint that people know what's going to be enforced. And you can even use, you know, my former colleague, Charlie Brennan, as you probably know, used to highlight these expired oh, tags for cars. Mm-hmm. And you, you're you hard pressed to drive through downtown St. Louis or really anywhere in the area without seeing expired tags that are not just expired a month or two, but maybe more than a year, maybe a couple of years. So people People know that that's not going to be something that's going to get them pulled over. They also know, I think these criminals know, if they're going to take off, that the cops really can't give chase under most circumstances. So, you know, in order to send the message, that that's a big message that needs to be sent with a lot of coordination, including the mayor's office and, and others, right? There needs to be, I guess, maybe the point is leadership on this issue yeah. less. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I agree with everything you said. I mean, there is you know, it's leadership, it's coordinating all the city agencies and the police department uh, basically to, to try to get control of this situation. I mean, I, we can't just give up and say there are no laws. Um, I think we have to make an honest attempt to deal with it and send the message that this won't be tolerated in our community. I mean, because the, there are going to be more serious accidents and more people hurt uh, if we don't deal with this. Have you presented it to the city, Les? What what response do you get when you say, we really need this stuff enforced? What does the mayor, what does anybody say? Uh, we submitted a plan that included uh, proposals relative to traffic enforcement uh, to the city, to Greater St. Louis, which is the, you know, the primary business organization in town here. We submitted that plan two years ago, and, and we got uh, no response. Zero. Oh, great. And and it wasn't just people like me. There were business people involved in this uh, and, and others. Uh, the Downtown Neighborhood Association, which is the organization of uh, residents downtown, uh, all signed on to this plan. And it was presented to the city leadership and to the business community, as I said. And, we, and uh, the response was crickets. Great. You know, and th- this just reminded me, uh, outside of some of the other things that are happening, but I think it was Jane Jane Duker tweeted earlier today, because there were a bunch of car break-ins, again, down by the foundry, I think. Mm-hmm. This is something that's really run rampant. And by the way, not only in the city, but the suburbs have had the same issues with people coming from the city. That's something we can't seem to get a handle on. It's, just, it's so frustrating, and I'm sure you're more frustrated than, than I am, because you live right here downtown, to not see this kind of move forward in a more uh, positive direction. And I don't know what it's going to take. And maybe, and I've said this, and I think, unfortunately, what happened with Janae Edmondson was a bit of a, shouldn't needed to be a wake-up call, but unfortunately it was. Yeah, I I think that's right. I mean, and I think when that accident happened, uh, we went from being frustrated to being angry. angry. Yeah, Uh, very angry. Because things like this should not happen. And, um yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's just the terrible tragedy that didn't have to happen. We got people, not, not that this is what's important, but I think it does, you know, connect the dots a little bit in, in sort of puts a punctuation mark on the frustration. Everybody has people from outside of the area who are friends and relatives who see our stories in the news 
and we get texts to say, hey, what's happening in St. Louis, right? I mean, what the, we need something. Now, luckily, the soccer game the other night was a positive image of St. Louis. We got baseball starting here, and hopefully that reputation isn't damaged beyond repair. But let's face it, this word gets around when something happens, when kids come into town for a volleyball tournament, right? Yeah, we were in the national news for two weeks in a row, not in a good way. And, uh, you know, thankfully, I think soccer has helped. Um, but, I mean, even with the soccer issue, uh, which, you know, there was a you know dramatic police presence. It was a great time. Um, you know, I, I think we need to start treating our residents and businesses that are here all the time just as well as we're treating the that's visitors right. from that's the county. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Les Sturman, I appreciate you coming in here and taking the time to visit with us here this afternoon because it is an issue that I've been talking about for a long time, and, you know, we I'd love some solutions. You know, I've, I've, I've been frustrated with, with the mayor in particular just because, and maybe she's going to point this in another direction, because despite her politics and what other differences we may have on some issues, not that she cares, this is so important right now to at least display some leadership. And she has that yes. within her to do that and sort of grab a handle of people who might at least might have some solutions. So I don't know why this isn't maybe behind the scenes. It's being presented more as a priority. But I think even that in the image that is sent out from from City Hall is not helping right now. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to tell people this is not a political issue. This is a, you know, this is a competency issue. It's a management issue. Um, and it's a quality of life issue for all the people who live and work in the city, regardless of what neighborhood you're in. Les Sturman. Les Sturman, thank you so much. Thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. Uh, 522 97.1 FM Talk. We will talk visiting next, and I've been looking forward to this, Lance Azumi, who's the director of the Center for Education at the Pacific Research Institute. He has written, he's one of the authors of a new book called The Great Parents Revolt, How Parents and Grassroots Leaders Are Fighting CRT in America's Schools. We have an audio cut of the day before the hour's up as well. Inhaler, Bono's kid, even though I had a second wow. check that two times, but here he is. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You know, it's approaching 5.30 here in the central time zone, and Sue, I want to make a a little bit of a mention that 
one week from tonight. <laughs> and you can go back to Sunday if you want to. But let's just say a week from today at this time, it'll be much brighter. And then at 630, it'll look like this. I'm right? so excited. Because we spring forward on Sunday morning, which is exciting and starting to feel a lot like spring. We've gotten quite the taste here in the last couple of weeks. We really and then, It's going to get cold again. I still am not really. <laughs> you know, I actually was going to do my, um, like, really clean the garage with the power washer and yeah, all that. Ooh, that's hard. But I thought, you know what? I Because if I would have done that, this may save people here, although some people want another snow. If I would have done that, that would have guaranteed another snowfall yes, in would. March. So I didn't do it. So that's why it's not going to snow again. Just so you know, that's exactly Appreciate how it. things work. You know that, Yes, right? I do. All right. Let's I didn't talk, wash my car let's for talk that with, Well, exactly. You, you know, we have an audio cut of the day and a Battlehawks update coming up as well with my friend Chris Smith before the end of the hour. Lance Azumi is with us, the Senior Director of the Center for Education at the Pacific Research Institute, one of the authors of a new book. And this is a topic that's been near and dear to my heart. We've talked about it quite a bit in the last couple of years on this show, The Great Parent Revolt, How Parents and Grassroots Leaders Are Fighting Critical Race Theory in America's Schools. Lance Izumi, welcome to 97.1 FM Talk. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me on your show. I'll tell you, back here in California, where I'm from, it's supposed to rain and snow for the next seven days. Your weather has been just crazy out there, hasn't it? Oh, it's been just uh, beyond belief. Uh, I think the drought is finally over in California. <laughs> yes, we, we've heard. Well, good luck on that front, for sure. Uh, when it comes to critical race theory, let's kind of start with a, with a definition, if you will. One of the things that, and you know, I think we're experiencing this in, in Missouri right now, Lance, when it comes to lawmakers trying to craft legislation about what is or what is not critical race theory, it's a little tough to pin it down because you can call this intersectionality. There's all kinds of things. Is it pure CRT? What I know, and I think what you know, is there's brainwashing going on, especially at some of the levels of education where it shouldn't be going on. So maybe a definition of what you're talking about here with CRT before we get into the revolt of the parents. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. I think it's very important for people to understand what we're talking about. Uh, Critical race theory, just simply put, is kind of a racial form of Marxism. It uh, has the typical Marxist classes of the oppressor class and the oppressed classes. But uh, instead of under classical Marxism, where you would have it's the rich versus the poor, in this case is uh, the oppressor class are whites and the uh, oppressed classes are non-whites. And whereas in uh, classical Marxism, where it's based upon economic status, you can actually have uh, economic mobility between the classes, you know, under racial Marxism, you can't. You are always going to be in an oppressed or oppressor category because you can't change the color of your skin. Right. Uh, you know, what's interesting about the the topic of communism um you just reminded me of this. I love Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana. We even opened up the show with some of his audio today. But he and Senator Scott have introduced uh, something I think very interesting. And I've never thought about this in terms of CRT and some of the other things that kids learn in school. They introduced something called the Crucial Communism Teaching Act to help educate students about the history and the dangers of communism. That's a pretty smart idea, I think. No, it's absolutely right. I mean, I think uh, I heard uh, Senator Scott uh, on an interview several weeks ago where he had a great line where he says, we need more ABC in schools, no CRT. And so I I think he's absolutely right. And one of the reasons uh, why we wrote our book, uh, The Great Parent Revolt, is because we wanted to feature stories of uh, people, especially immigrants, who have gone through uh, real oppression, real oppression uh, from totalitarian governments in their home countries. And we feature a a woman who is a uh, Chinese immigrant mom from communist China who actually lived through the Mao Zedong's 
Cultural Revolution, which killed millions of ordinary Chinese people uh, because they belonged to the wrong class or because they had uh, you know, the wrong background and wrong beliefs. And so that is what the real oppression is in this world. And when we feature parents like that who are bringing their story to this debate over CRT, they can point out that what went on in their uh, communist countries is actually starting to go on here in the United States. It, it's just stunning. It, it really is. And if there's been anything that has been a positive in the aftermath, or I guess even during the pandemic, it's been parents. And this is why the title of your book is Parents Great Revolt. These parents, like myself, who has a second grader right now and was in kindergarten when all this started with the, um, you know, the Zoom calls a couple years ago, we had a glimpse into what was being taught in these classrooms and you know then people started going to school boards and asking questions and that's where we are right now lance that's absolutely right mark uh you we feature stories in our book from actual students who have gone through these critical race theory exercises uh one student we profile uh from here in california had to uh, go through a so-called privilege walk where all the kids were lined up like in a criminal lineup and as privilege traits were caught up they would have to take a step forward and uh, this uh, uh, student that we profiled was the only white male, and he was made to take steps forward because uh, I am white, I am male, I am Christian were the first things that the teacher called out. And so he was made to feel as though he uh, was uh, going to be persecuted or featured in a negative light simply because of traits that he can't control. And so I, I think that uh, parents saw this during the COVID uh, crisis and uh, through the Zoom calls that you mentioned, and now they are revolting. They are, you know, running for school board. They're taking control of so many school boards across the country. In fact, uh, you know, from Florida to Colorado to California, you've had school boards flip to pro-parent majorities, and they are actually uh, t- uh, banning CRT in many places. Let me let me go to that specific issue when it comes to because this is what I referred to earlier when it comes to the legislative you know hurdles perhaps is it possible to do that with enough spec you know specifics if you will to to make that effective or is there you know an, can they run a you know an end game around that to a certain extent? Yeah, you know, I, I of course the uh, the education deep state that I call it is you know going to try and run an end game, but I think that. You know, when you look at some of the uh, resolutions that have just recently been adopted, for example, uh, there's a school board down in Southern California that flipped to a pro-parent majority. And the very first thing they did on uh, their first meeting as a majority was to pass a resolution against critical race theory and banning uh, that teaching in the district schools. And if you look at their resolution, there is uh, enough specificity that uh, I believe it will be effective. But again, you know, it's going to be a constant battle because as you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, critical race theory is hidden under other more innocuous sounding uh, terms such as diversity, equity, and inclusion, right, right. Uh, and other types of uh, uh, terms that parents at first think, uh, you know, well, I'm in favor of diversity. Equity sounds like equality, so I seem to be in favor of that too, when the, really it's just a uh, cover critical race theory. Yeah, and that's part of the, the book is called, by the way, The Great Parent Revolt. Lance Izumi is my guest. That's part of the issue because even, uh, let's see if you agree with this, even though a lot more people than two years ago have gotten dialed in 
to what's happening on school boards or in schools relating to this issue, or I'd say the gender issue as well. There are still so many people who, who aren't in, I get people, I always want to be careful here. I don't want to criticize people for not paying attention. They have busy lives, but let's face it. Someone listening to a show like this is going to be a little bit more dialed into that. There are a lot of people that just don't even know that this is happening. And from that standpoint, as you just indicated, Lance, they hear diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's a great thing, right? They don't understand the tools that are being used to push that, though. No, that's absolutely right. And I think that one of the things that uh, we try to do in our book is to show, though, that uh, the parents that we profile, these are not super people. You know, these are ordinary parents who have, you know, happened to see uh, what's going on in their uh, child's classroom, at least get hints of it. And then they start to uh, follow the trail to try and find what exactly is happening. And we profile parents who have filed lots of Public Records Act requests in order to find out what exactly is the curriculum that's being taught in uh, our child's classroom, because oftentimes school districts are hiding that. Uh, we have parents who have gone to court and sued uh, uh, their schools because uh, they have uh, basically punished their children for refusing to uh, engage in critical race theory uh, type of exercises. So, you know, these are people who, again, you know, uh, they're ordinary people, but they're because they want to protect their children from this political indoctrination, they have decided that they're going to take that extra step and try and follow the breadcrumbs to see where it leads. Yeah, there's a lot of great warriors out there, and I've been in contact with a lot of local warriors when it comes to some of these school board issues. Many of the instances that you um, that you wrote about in this book I'm familiar with, maybe have even featured some of the guests that are featured in the book on this show. This one I wasn't sure about, though. You write about a 15-year-old son of an immigrant father in San Francisco who had an interesting experience with a racial indoctrination camp. Can you describe that for the audience? Yeah, well, you know, this is a, that student I happened to be mentioning, and you know, he he uh, took a class uh, in leadership, and he thought it was going to be a, a class that was uh, going to be in community leadership. He'd learn some leadership skills, and really, what it turned out was was a class that was really just CRT based. And so, in addition to that uh, privilege walk that I talked about, so that was the uh, case there with the privilege walk. That's exactly right. Yeah, I got right. you. But he was also having to do exercises like, uh, for example, he um, uh, was asked to do a, a drawing of a person's face without looking at the paper. And when the, uh, the teacher asked him, well, what did you learn from that exercise? He said, well, you don't have to be perfect to do art. And the teacher's reply to him was just stunning. He says, well, perfectionism, right and wrong thinking, objectivity, those are all parts of white supremacy. Unbelievable. And so, and so yeah. it's just it's shocking to he and he asked the teacher, "What's your evidence?" And good for him for standing up. And the teacher really couldn't articulate any kind of evidence for it, which just shows that the teacher was just as indoctrinated as she was trying to make the students. You know, the, I don't. One of the questions I always have about this is, how the hell did we get so deep into this? And if this wasn't exposed in the last couple of years, how much deeper would it get? Because you have this, you know, cottage industry of these consultants out there with this anti-racist and DEI making feel, people feel guilty. And a lot of the, uh, and I don't want to put this on the teachers because I think some of the teachers in particular, especially from an area like mine in Missouri, maybe a little different out there on the left coast, they don't necessarily think that this is something that should be prioritized. But you say something and then you get canceled. That's exactly right, Mark. And I, I, I should emphasize 
though, that this isn't just an issue in blue states. This is an issue in red states, purple states all across the country. And, uh, you know, it hasn't started overnight. One of the very first uh, studies I ever wrote for my institute, the Pacific Research Institute, uh, quite a number of years ago, was to analyze the teacher training curriculum in schools of education. And you found that all these concepts of CRT and all this racial Marxism that we're talking about now was being taught to prospective teachers many years ago. So it's unsurprising yep. that a lot of this is now coming to the fore right now. And uh, the DEI consultants you talk about, uh, we profile a mom in Virginia who, who filed a lot of Public Records Act requests in order to uh, reveal the 200 contracts that were uh, signed with various local school districts in her area with DEI consultants mm -hmm. that were going to be training the teachers. Yeah, a lot of money being spent on that. You know, one thing, and I'll close with this, Lance, I think you would agree more than a lot of people, and I know you have, a, I believe you have an Asian co-author here, if it wasn't for the Asian parents and the mixed-race families in the last couple of years, this issue probably wouldn't be where it is right now. No, I think that's right. You know, I, I, the Asian Americans have been uh, one of the real, and I, I'm Japanese American myself. My co, one of my co-authors is Chinese American. She's an immigrant from China, and so uh, you know, I think that uh, Asians have really seen how uh, this changeover to uh, critical race theory in this concept of equity, which is all about not. Uh, uh, giving people the equal opportunity to achieve to their highest ability, but ensuring the same results regardless of ability. And uh, because Asian parents really uh, uh, value uh, meritocracy That's right. and, and, and advancement and academic excellence, they're the ones who are saying, hey, this emphasis on equity is hurting our children. And therefore, that's why they're stepping up to say that this is wrong and this is not what America is all about. We're in favor of equality, not equity. Absolutely. Well, the book is called The Great Parent Revolt, How Parents and Grassroots Leaders Are Fighting Critical Race Theory in America's Schools. Lance Azumi, Dr. Lance Azumi, I should say, thank you so much for your effort in this. Keep us posted because it's an important issue. Thanks so much, Mark. It's always great to be on your show. I appreciate it. Audio Cut of the Day is forthcoming here. I'm going to do a little... Um, two-part audio cut of the movie. Ooh, one, exciting. One being musical, and we'll explain that in a moment, but Chris Smith is back with us. He is our St. Louis Battlehawks correspondent. Chris is my friend who's known as Chris in the country. He suffered a near-fatal gunshot wound to the head a year and a half ago. He has been on the road to recovery, but do I wonder, before we get to the Battlehawks stuff, did you have a little setback today? You okay, buddy? I'm, I'm doing all right, Mark. Okay. Yeah, so I was at the AT&T store, and I may have had a seizure and whacked my head pretty hard. Are I, you okay? ER. Yeah, I'm all right. All right. I have a little bit of a headache. All I'm right. tough, brother. You know that. I know you're I'm tough, good. but I worry about you, and health is more important than the uh, Battlehawks yeah. updates. But Chris has been the biggest Battlehawks supporter, so I named him my, my correspondent here. We're yet to have a home game. Well, what happened yesterday? And truth be told, I was watching uh, some uh, some golf and some other things, some college yeah. basketball, so I did not tune in the Battlehawks, but Chris was live texting it to me, Sue. Of course he was. So recap the game. Yes, I was. Well, of course, I was at my office with Post Sports Bar and Grill, so I mean, they have great. It's, it's the official watch party headquarters of St. Louis Battle. Yeah, we're going to start invoicing the post, I think, but go ahead. Right. No. Which location? There's one in Fenton, but you were out there in Lake St. Louis? Lake St. Louis, yeah, yes. that's right. Lake okay, well, we'll make sure we invoice them in particular. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I, I told them to start charging for this. I mean, come on now. Yeah, exactly. So, All right, so okay. what happened in the game? They, they started uh, off okay, or did they not even start off okay? No, once again, we did not play 
what they crapped the first and second quarter and third quarter. It was horrible. And we basically got steamrolled by the D.C. defenders' defense. But also, I'm, you know how everybody wants to complain about the referees. The refs were horrible yesterday. There were so many pass interference by the defenders on us, you know, that were not called. Yeah. No, and then also the worst one was the intentional grounding by Jordan, Jordan Tayamu, our old quarterback for the Battle Hawks. Not a receiver around him, and Coach Beck was going absolutely ballistic on the sidelines, spit coming out of his mouth, running up and down, cursing at the refs. They didn't overturn it, though. But then again, late in the fourth quarter, we had a chance to come back. Yeah, look, because when you were texting me, it seemed like there was a bit of a comeback that was underway, right? There, there, there was. Yeah, but the clock was not our friend, and we were out of timeouts, oh, and we blew it. All but, right, and a lot of a lot of drop passes, a lot of drop catches. Coach Prohl has to do a lot better with these guys, with these receivers. I mean. The ball's in your hands. You catch the ball. You don't drop it. Well, there's a reason they're in the XFL and not in the NFL. But preview the game because big home game coming up, right, Chris? Yes, sir. The Dome is sold out. The upper bowl is open. Ooh. The Dome's going to be rocking. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so awesome. cool that they have sold more than 40,000 seats for that game. That's so who, great. who do they face this weekend? It's going there playing Arlington. Texas? No, D.C., oh. Arlington. Oh, okay. You Arlington, know me like Virginia, Arlington, Arlington area. I didn't even know they had yeah, Arla- yeah, Yeah, Arlington, Arlington Virginia, right. yes. Well, we'll get an update next Monday after the game. Chris Smith, our official Battle Hawks correspondent. Give me a caca. Caca! <laughs> Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. He has a gift with that, I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, the cacao. Well, you know what? I'm looking at my – I think I went to Audio Cut of the Day just a little early here, but I was going to do a couple of things anyway, so let's make this a bit of a combined Audio Cut of the Day. I'll do a trifecta instead of a daily double. We'll keep it sports because, obviously, this was the big event from the weekend. What a special night, and there it is. How many feelings will you have like this <laughs> in a lifetime? 22,500 dreams coming true at City Park. And many, many more out there on Y98 and Apple TV. Oh, what a great victory for the um, St. Louis SC team. And, of course, many more memories to come. And the stadium in downtown looked fantastic, especially in the aftermath of so many bad stories that have rained down upon us. This is, uh, you know, I didn't get to this today, and I may revisit this tomorrow, and I wanted to, and I sort of forgot it was on my list. This is from a hearing in California. (laughs) Try to relate with this. I don't think you're going to be able to. On reparations. So it was a public hearing on reparations in California. There's only one thing that would stop our children from busting into these liquor stores and grocery stores, stealing junk food and and stealing different things. And that's reparations. What? What? So honestly, God, there's more of this. But I I will tell you that that doesn't that sound that sounds like it's a bit from Saturday Night Live. Yes. (laughs) There's really there's only one thing. That will stop these criminals from committing crime. Giving them money. Giving them money that they didn't earn. There you go. There's Mm -hmm. the plan in California. Including fully funding their educational tuition, materials and supplies, certification, credentialing, insurance, business license fees, and CPR and NPR training requirements. Racism, ignorance, stupidity is a way of life here in America. 
I think that we should uh, be receiving land, cash, economic equality, resources. We need to dismantle the oppressive practices of the people that we share these communities with, i.e. modern day slavery, mass incarceration is still a form of slavery. Yeah. When criminals huh. go to prison, it's slavery. Crimes. I, yeah. I don't even know where to start. That was part of uh, the task force to study and develop reparation proposals for African-Americans. They met in San Francisco, I'm sorry, in Sacramento for two days. And that was part of that hearing. That That's just unbelievable, really, when you think about it. But what are you going to do? Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to go out with music because Gary Rossington, one of the founding members of um, Leonard Skinner, we covered this during Sue's News earlier this afternoon, passed away, um, 71 years old, died on Sunday. They didn't say the cause of death. Did you see one? Nope. Uh, the, the statement said is, with our deepest sympathy and sadness, we have to advise that we lost our brother, friend, family member, songwriter, and guitarist Gary Rossington today. Gary is now with his Skinner brothers and family in heaven and playing it pretty, like he always does. Of course, uh, Ronnie Van Zant, Bob Burns, founding members, together with Rossington in Florida in 1964, there was a terrible plane crash. Um, and I didn't realize Gary Rossington yeah, was on that plane, survived. but he survived it. But there you go. No more founding members of Leonard Skinner, part of our audio cut of the day. Have a great night. We're back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.